Serious TV Drama Podcast. I'm Scott, and joining me once again this week, the punch to my Judy, the light brightness to my dark broody, it's Brian. Hey, Brian. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Scott? That's that's pretty good. You know, you never preview those, and that was, uh, that was a good one, because I had that thought watching this episode, so that, that, uh, that, was, a, that was a great intro. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I was playing with an... My original idea was going to play with something with the the song, the Pinocchio song. I got no strings on me, whatever. But that kept making me think of that stupid Avengers movie, so I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, like, you know, look at him break out like a Kukla Fran and Ollie reference, and was like, "How old are you, Scott? <laughs> you know, fifty three going on one hundred and seventeen." So how are you doing tonight? You uh, you up for doing this? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Although, you know, we may have to call in uh, Hawkeye and a mash unit because uh, you and I have been through it. But uh, the holidays are over. I survived, but somehow managed to inflame uh, one of the pinched nerves in my back. So I'm uh, I'm seated in a position and from which I intend to not move until this podcast is over. <laughs> so I'm in the podcasting Iron Maiden, still not, not moving. Oh, my Lord. It sounds like the issues I was having just about a year ago and which mat which magically disappeared when i went from the herniated disc in my back to a hernia in my front and i was like okay apparently my body can only deal with one type of hernia at a time now but the weird thing that's happening now and uh obviously i've had a not obviously i've had a litany of odd injuries and ailments and illnesses over the past well year and a half. I haven't actually had a full couple of days of being healthy since June of 2022. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I figured it out. I'm not lying about that. So when people say I'm, you know, I'm whining, <laughs> it's like, no, it's, I've, I've been miserable for about one thing or another for over a year and a half. And what's happening right now, I just got over being, I'm getting over being sick, which with something which probably was just like a flu like thing, even though I was sure it was COVID, but it wasn't. But as you may recall, I had a couple teeth removed back at the end of November. You know, two wisdom teeth. That's fairly common. Folks do it all the time. Everyone know, and Jamie actually had a couple taken out within the same week as I did. So we're both both dealing with this. In fact, I need to talk to her. I was wondering if she's having this happen to her. Now, I was aware of trying to make sure I didn't get dry socket or anything else going on back there. But it's been feeling really sore this whole time but that's not uncommon but i kept thinking i felt something around uh the edge of the gum line um and i thought it just got has just gotten really sore over there or whatever but i could feel something and it wasn't soft it was hard and i did some examination in the mirror with a you know flashlight in the mouth and whatever and 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 i know what i saw and i did some research and i was like okay at least i know this is not a crazy thing it does happen it just sucks so i have something that's it's kind of like a bone 
spicule in the back of my mouth. So I, I, I think what that means, I think it's probably just like a little chip or piece of bone that's embedded in the gum over there. Now, I hopefully, hopefully, it will eventually work its way out and and go away. <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't as of yet, and it's actually just bothering me more. The problem is it makes that area sore. It also, there is a risk of infection as well, I think. Right. Um, and what's making all this very complicated and worrisome to me is like, okay, it's not, we're recording on December 27th. And if this was October 27th, or even November 27th, I wouldn't worry as much. It's December 27th. So my insurance goes bye-bye in a couple days. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what I'm going to do about that. Because, you know, money is an issue. <laughs> you know? Right. So I'm, I'm, it's a stressful thing. So well, I could, I could, I could definitely see that and, you know, uh, cut it. Gums and teeth can be very painful. So I'm sure it's, uh, in addition to being worrisome, nobody wants an infection and abscess, any of that. Right. And, 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 and it's, unfortunately, it's just, it's something you can't not be aware of. Like this entire time we're talking, it's, it's there. You know, every time my tongue moves, it rubs against it. It's like, oh, it's not cutting my, t it's not cutting my tongue. Thankfully, because sometimes it could be like sharp. It's like, okay, it's not like that, but it's definitely, it's definitely a hard little knob right, right there. Because I didn't know what it was initially. So it's like, oh my god, am I growing another tooth? Because ripping through my gum line right now. Am <laughs> I am I transforming? Anyway, time to transform this podcast back into what it's supposed to be about, which is about. Fargo, and namely the latest episode of Fargo, which was titled Linda, the seventh episode of season five, directed by Sylvain White, and written once again by Noah Hawley and April. We've decided, you've decided her name should be pronounced she, I think you're right, it's spelled S-H-I-H, don't want to give her the respect due, because I feel she probably made a major contribution to this episode. Hey, we got the, uh, we got the old fashioned wacky, wacky recap thing with this episode. This time it was erstwhile on Fargo. So I was yep. very, very happy to see that. Very happy. So we know what we're probably going to be spending the bulk of this episode talking about. So why don't we take care of the a few of the other matters first, just get them out of the way. That way we can just pretty much focus on that. because And that does take up a pretty much the bulk of the episode to begin with. Because wasn't it last week where we had no dot? And this was obviously a mostly dot episode. Um, but that's not where it starts. It actually starts um, at the home where Munch is staying, and speaking of giving props, I need to give Brian props right off the bat. When we discussed Munch's living arrangements on an earlier podcast, I believe you were the one who first posited the idea that uh, I don't think that lady's his mom. I don't. <laughs> I think he just picked a house to stay in, and she <laughs> she's just going to go along with it because he's a he's a real scary motherfucker. And I was like. No, I think it's his mom. It's weird, but I'm going to go with the mom. Okay, it wasn't his mom. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 was not, and uh, 
And boy, is it, I think now we may know why she let Munch stay, because as scary as he is, he's still a better tenant than her son would be if her son lived there. Her son is a grade A piece of shit. <laughs> well, fortunately, he doesn't, he doesn't spend much screen time in the episode because um, Munch decides... Ah, who needs the cover of night to take care of business? <laughs> it's the, you know, the bright light of day. He <laughs> he just goes out there with an axe and, and sticks it to him. But that's Fargo for you. Because if I think about it, a lot of the brutal deaths we've seen over the years, ever since the original movie, people are getting killed during the day. It's usually, and oh, it's yeah. no, you know, I mean, think about Steve Buscemi being put through the... <laughs> The wood chipper and stuff that wasn't happening at night. <laughs> no, no, and, and this this had one of the great Fargo uh, devices, and that is like a, a moron um, confronting someone who they have no idea how dangerous they are, and uh, you know, poking the wrong bear. Right, 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 right. So. We, we we have that established there. And then later in the episode, it, that's when um, Gator has uh, made use of his tracking device, which actually amazingly works, despite looking like it came out of a, an old episode of Get Smart or something. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow the beeps tell you which side of the road it is and everything. So, And then he makes the choice to smash the car window to get he sees something in the back seat which is what catches his eye uh, was it the bag that the money had been in is that what he sees i wasn't sure what it was he sees that was my initial assumption but i i don't know and we don't see a bag with the money in it or at least i didn't when i watched it and but the culmination of this whole little scene is that irma comes out that's that's the woman from the house uh, the, the not munches ma, um, to try, try to essentially attack Gator, I guess. And he basically just shoves her back and she slips and falls and cracks her head open and dies. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we don't really, and, but the, the interesting thing is, so when munch that comes out, you know, a short time, moments later, after Gator's already pulled pulled away, I guess, and his expression, and when he looks down at her, it's like you did kill his mom, you know, because it wasn't just he he didn't look at her just coldly and look up. He he had that pained expression when he looked up, like, okay, there's there's going to be some horrors going on for Gator at some point. We we know that's going to happen, right? It has to happen. Yeah. And um, it, it's uh, it, it's almost like the the mantra of "I live here now" means that she was under his protection, right. and that was his house, and that was even if that wasn't his mom, like in a way it was, and so therefore Gator has to pay, right? Because otherwise he failed, yeah. right? So the other the other. The little thread we have going on in this episode, other than the major one, is involves Wayne Lyon, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here. His daughter, uh, Scotty, and I don't mean to be, I'm not referring to Scotty being you know questioning that she's a daughter, I'm questioning whether she's actually Wayne's daughter. 
I don't think she is. Uh, we, we've said that a million times on the podcast already. Um, it's very sweet because um, even even with Take Daughter to Work Day or whatever, but throughout the, their scenes, um, until the bedtime story, Scotty's the parent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Wayne is seeing the world simplistically like a child would. Right. Um, there is the great uh, there is the great line that reflects on sort of what we've talked about earlier uh, that the the salesman says, I don't think you understand how capitalism works. And, you know, and Wayne says, well, that's not right. Like get a car, give a car. And we're going to help that family because they're happy. And uh, so I, I, I the, in this episode, we got a lot of Wayne um, it, it, semi-functional, but I think you see a glimpse into what uh, Dot sees in him, that he's right. really a good, decent man, a good dad. And and a and a good guy, right, right, right. And I, and the the scene when he's concocting the bedtime story is, you know, incredibly charming, and and sweet. And um, he's definitely made strides from when we first saw him in the hospital that he's capable of doing what he was doing uh, there. But you can see. That scene alone tells you what kind of person he is. Yeah, um, and <laughs> I, love, I love that he names the character. The character is supposed to be obviously her mom. <laughs> it's just, it's lo- it's lovely. It's lovely. Okay, so we, we've we've kind of dispensed with, with with all that stuff. See, didn't take didn't really. We we we, ha- we mentioned it. It's fine. Okay, that's not what people are talking about when they're going to talk about this episode. We're talking about the Dot storyline, and eventually uh, we're, t- we're talking about Dot going to um, Camp Utopia. I mean, she does, but she does. She. It's interesting because when we open with Dot and she's driving down the road, she's already falling asleep at the wheel. Uh, almost runs off the road, in fact. And we don't even. And when she does stop. She stops at a diner to eat. She doesn't stop at a motel to grab, you know, a few hours of shut eye or anything like that. And the fact that that's how they play that, and we see her when she's sitting at that table and she glances over at the bulletin board and sees the things on the bulletin board, such as a recipe for chicken piccata and all these things about making dolls and whatever. So when we end up there later on, you do, one can question, especially because she's was suffering from lack of sleep, whatever. Did is everything that we that we see in the dot story real or not? You have to. It, it's still it's still questionable. I've not made up my mind on this yet. I want to believe it happened, but every indication is that it didn't. Well, I I tend to believe it didn't, but as we've discussed, there's a supernatural element to a lot of a lot of Fargo. Right. Um, that that it, it is it possible that it's some liminal state that that there was a reality to it. I don't know, but maybe. Um, 
but it's they lay the pieces and and I told you earlier before we got on I watched it a second time you know the pieces are there to see as you discussed that they're setting up she's tired she goes into the diner there's attention to detail that we see come out during the trip to camp I mean in just the name Camp Utopia um that that there are these breadcrumbs that you can see it that way that, that it's a dream so this is how I'm going to address it off the top of my head. So I'm going to spitball riff here. Um, didn't it occur to me until I was watching this episode, her name, the name she's taken, because it's the Lyon family. So her last name is Lyon, and her first name is daughter Dorothy. So that's two characters from The Wizard of Oz right there. <laughs> You know? Yeah, and and what did we see last season? The 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 Kansas storyline, and yep. and they end with a tornado and such. So, I had that in mind. Her name's Dorothy, Dorothy Lyon. She's on the road. She's heading somewhere. I love the waitress even asking, "Are you going home or coming or running away from home?" Dorothy and Wizard of Oz. She's running away from home or wants to run away from home. And then all she wants to do is go back. So right. we play with it there. Where she goes and finds that postcard, it's a windmill, which is as emblematic of like farming. And there's something very kind of wistful about a windmill. It's like what it represents. Um, and it's, as you just pointed out, and the postcards for a camp utopia. Which already the the implication of the, of the name of the camp already is a fantastical, um, imagined place like 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 an Oz. The fact that when we then we get to this camp, and the whole point of her going to the camp is supposed to be she's trying to track down the first wife whose name was Linda. So naturally, the place this camp, everybody's named Linda. <laughs> They're all Lindas, <laughs> which is kind of crazy and insane. Like the, the coincidence of it being that name <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. B but if you take this to the more surreal side, that it makes perfect sense. That, that you know, Cause basically, you know, we are all Linda. And even when they go through name changes, they're just all changing maybe one letter of their name from Linda to Linda or, or him. And I'm sure if we met like five other characters, they're probably like, Oh, this one's name is Londa. This one's name is Tinda. And this one's name is, I think <laughs> if you look on IMDb, I think you'll see like four or five women listed and they're all like slight variations on the name Linda. Um, we only hear one character mention it herself though. So they, they don't really try to hit you with the joke too much in the episode as you're watching it. Um, but, and again, so going with the Wizard of Oz thing, and she can't, but she can't just simply get this woman and say, you have to come with me to do, to, to do this, to accomplish this goal. She has to go through this trial. Um, and they actually, in fact, I, I think they actually used the word trial at one point. Yep. But of course the, tri the trial is something which would make someone go, wait, wait, I have to do what? And it's it's a very fanciful thing of you, you have to make a puppet to tell your story. It's very childlike because who tells stories through puppets, generally speaking, or or puppet shows are usually stories told for children. 
but that goes in line with the way a fairy tale would be told. You know, either either it's something like like a Wizard of Oz or a Pinocchio or whatever, wherever wherever you're going to go with this. Um, so I, I kept thinking about that as I was watching, um, watching the episode uh, towards the end. I was like, and I was reflecting back on what had happened, um, and whether or not the events actually happened. And my feeling on it is, I don't think it actually happened. Although, keep in mind, at the end of Wizard of Oz, she does wonder if she dreamed it all. Because everyone there, you know, so, and then, because then we have this story of, because the, then in Wizard of Oz, you could have the same question, like, hey, did that actually happen to Dorothy? Or was she, was she, was she unconscious and just dreamed the whole thing? Because that actually is, Wizard of Oz, you don't, you don't actually know. Right. You know, every, and everyone in her life is actually represented in her dream, whatever. So, but maybe if we look at it as this didn't actually happen, but this was Dot's way of working out her trauma. And because she's, she made references to it leaving the implication of what had happened to her when she spoke to um, Indira in that episode a few a few episodes ago. And obviously we saw the photos at the end of the last episode um, and, and saw Lorraine's um, reaction to them. The first time Lorraine seemed um, genuinely emotionally affected by anything. So he... And... They could have went a super, super conventional route here and give it to Holly and, and his co-writer, uh, she. Uh, they came up with perhaps the most wholly unique way of dealing with the issue of of abuse and all the forms it took in that, in that home and, and in her life. And doing it with puppets, which works really well because she was 15 when this whole starts. She was genuinely an innocent. And so if you're going to tell this story, I mean, even more so than if they did something with animation or, or something along those lines. I mean, puppet, a puppet show, for, which is, not, again, usually for children, it's the epitome of innocence, of, 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 stor of, of for, for storytelling. And it's as we watch how it proceeds, and we know it's her doing all the voices, which is kind of great, actually. Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. Um, but it hits a certain point where it's 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 very uncomfortable, and then it's horrifying. And it's fascinating that something something as simple as just hearing this, and you realize that that's the simulated sound of someone being beaten. Because it's you know wood against wood with the puppets, it, it's horrifying, and it's and right now I mean we're seven episodes in. This is this is the scene or sequence that's going to stay with me from from the series so far. I mean that's that's that that to me that's the highlight of the season so far, um, and worthy of whatever accolades the show may or may not receive. 
So I, I, I've yammered a lot here. I didn't mean to take up that much time in a row. I, I just was riffing here. Um, didn't have one note about that. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, real. I, I kid you not. My, my, my notes are this. Puppet's not going to make itself. The puppet show. Most emotional sequence in Fargo history? Question mark. And then right after that, none of it happened? Question mark. Those are my notes. <laughs> I kid you not. Well, it was mesmerizing uh, because at first the ridiculousness of you have to make your own puppet and, you know, and, and this arcane system that this group has. And, you know, initially uh, the life at the group home doesn't seem surreal and it just gets more and more surreal, much like Oz does, you know, that things get weirder and weirder. Um. But I took my take on it is if it's not real, and I don't believe it is, that this was Dorothy Lyon confronting her trauma and getting her courage to face what happened in the past so she can face the man that did this to her. And I think she's mad at Linda because Linda died and was probably killed by him hmm. and left her alone without protection from him. Like I, I, if I had to guess Linda went upstate New York to a farm the same way your dog does when it doesn't have much time left. Um, and that's why she's mad at her. She brought her into that house and did that and then left her alone. Now it could be, we find out, you know, Linda did live, but I think this is the slap of a young girl saying, why did you leave me? And you're going to go with me and you're going to tell what happened to us. And she says us, you know, um, but the, the, Puppet stuff was gutting. Um, I don't know. There's been a moment on this show that I just, I can't even describe, like watching it, what I was feeling. Um, and Juno Temple's voice acting for all the characters and describing it and the puppet work that they did. And it was, it was, I mean, the, the great thing about it too, is, you know, obviously like that one little set she had couldn't have done all this stuff. They expand the puppet world immensely, but we, we integrate Gator in, she talks about Gator. Um, you even see while Linda's being beaten that Gator goes and, and she comforts Gator on her lap. Um, but the, the sheer evilness of Tillman, you know, is really laid bare. I, I, I the most interesting thought I've had is how am I going to feel about him at the end of this show? Um, can I, can I hate him more than I hate him right now? Hmm. Uh, I mean, he may be the vilest character this show has ever portrayed. And it's really, it's really 
<laughs> kind of funny that he's one of our favorite actors playing him <laughs> because they, I mean, he is portrayed in this as vilely as he has ever been. And, you know, the, the scene where they're at the table and he puts his hand on her leg under the table, even though it, when it's a puppet and it still just gives you shivers. It, 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 this was, uh, I mean, this was, I guarantee you, this will be one of the episodes of the year and all the critics list. If somebody hasn't finished their list yet, this is getting shoehorned in there somewhere. Hmm. I got to think about the, uh, the Fargo villain list. That's an interesting one. I could definitely in the running, um, mainly the fact that as opposed to just being, you know, a killer, um, being someone, an abuser and a rate and frankly, a rapist, um, might put him over the top. I mean, there's a few, but you know, if we remove the obvious, you know, like, you know, like Billy Bob Thornton's character in the first season is amazing. He's just a stone cold killer, you know, so he, he's a pure sociopath, you know, which is a different category. And, you know, we can look at him and still, you know, we can root we can root for him to be taken down, but still admire the the the, the fun coolness of that character. It's take take the fact that it's John Hem out of the equation. There's nothing at this point, especially, and it's funny that it took a puppet show combined with those photos we saw last week as yep. well. You know, the, kind of the one two no no pun intended the one two punch there. Um to make him thoroughly a despicable character for us and not one that we're enjoying. We, we can take a kind of vicarious enjoyment in watching David Thewlis's character in season three is, is also a pretty horrible person and, you know, as well. But I think again, the, the abuse rape aspect Kind of might put um, Roy over over the rest, and then, then there's probably a, a couple piece of shits in season four too. Uh, but yeah, but, but, but I, I would add to it. I think part of what makes him even viler is he's supposed to be the person that doesn't let this kind of thing happen to people. Right? Is that not only is he all of those things, which, but he's supposed to be the person that protects people from people like him. Well, I think when uh, when we were first talking about his character overall, and that might have been in their very first podcast because the second episode focused on him a lot, and I noticed that it was interesting that he that he's a character that has all these major facets to him, you know, and, and and we see it addressed in each scene, you know. One scene we see, oh, he's a preacher. Another scene, oh, we see he's a politician. The next scene, oh, we see he's a man of the law, but it's his law, not the law. The one thing that we kind of left out of that, because that's three things, well, you left out the fourth thing. He's a monster. Yeah. He's for a, sure. I mean, he's a pure, I mean, the, and the, Fargo is a show, but just like the movie, but Fargo is a show that deal has dealt with different forms of monsters before. He's a different one. And, and to go with what you said, that might make him the worst one of all. It, 
even even if he he might not have the the number of kills under his belt that that certain ones are, but the fact that he's not just an abuser, but he abuses his position, and he's someone who's as you say, who is supposed to be the protector. But even his son mocks the idea of serve and protect, as we recall, and, right. and his son look you know wants wants to be him. Yeah, so so he so he's also that means he's also failing as a father. Because oh yeah! Look, look what you're doing to your son. I mean, God, God helped us those those two little twin daughters, whatever. So, and and what's the legacy of his son? He kills a woman. He kills an unarmed woman. Right, right, right. So, I mean, the 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 puppet show sequence alone is 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 the scene of of the episode and and the season. Um, it was funny how you mentioned. Um, how once it opens up, obviously it opens up to a degree where it's all these sets for the puppets that obviously would be would have been impossible to con- to create and consume, and that should not matter. Um, what they did was it's like watching a musical, right. and where all of a sudden, um, and by that, where let me actually let me be more specific when I say musical. That's that that that's actually not really hitting it. Um, greatest music of all time, prop in my in my opinion, and anyone with you know taste opinion is going to be singing in the rain. Singing in the rain has a huge sequence at the end where it's because all things also going to take place you know you know on a screen and it opens up into this impossible thing where it's just like well this could, but it that this just not possible. You have to be the size of an airplane hangar and whatever, and, and they set, it's not possible. That's what they do with the the puppet show. Well. It's not possible, but it's we, we've gone into fantasy here. But it's fun. Right. It's also not the first time I've seen that done with a puppet. I, I, I'm, I'm. It's going to drive me crazy. Maybe I'll remember it by our next podcast. I've seen something like this done with puppetry, where and it was something even even the sets being like, okay, that's that really couldn't have been because if you go, you watched it twice. He said, yeah, the attention to detail is so gorgeous in it i mean that th- when she's shoplifting that 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 little i mean that alone is just so beautifully conceived of all, all the items on the shelves whatever you know e- each area you know it's never just a plain stark thing it's the way they're lit you know the the bedside lamp you know the the blunt it's the 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 the, the tablecloth you know it's it's so elaborate. I mean, it's you really, know, it's on, really lovely. That lovely, the lo- the wallpaper, wallpaper of the house mm-hmm. has three hens around a rooster. Oh, okay, all right, that's interesting. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the detail, the design, the execution of the of this story, where. Uh, I didn't go back and look at the time, but I mean, this is a substantial chunk uh, of the episode. This this story, I mean, it's the centerpiece of it, obviously. But they did not they did not uh, spare any expense in detail. Uh, I mean, the the way the lighting changes and everything about it was just. It was phenomenal, and it was beautiful 
telling something terribly ugly. And the, the transcendence is at the end where she's finally able to tell the story, you know, and, and it is funny that, you, you know, you mentioned that the waitress at the beginning says, are you know, are you coming or going like, like where are you headed or where are you headed to? And all she says is, is like, she says, I don't remember if she says home or, uh, she, she gives a response that answers both questions, which is what dot always does. She doesn't answer, but by the end of that thing, you, you know, now she's gotten out of the lying, the avoidance. And I think it's explained a lot of her behavior has always been trauma informed and she got something out of, she got something out of that, that, that she'll take going forward. And so it was very, very, very well done. You're muted. Oops. Uh, <laughs> not for once. I figured people didn't need to hear me typing in the background because I wanted to look something up and I forgot to take it off mute. I apologize. Um, it's like those old zoom calls from a, back in the, right. in the heady days of COVID. You're on mute. You're on mute. Take it off mute. Um, what was I saying? All right. Um, just thinking more about it, um, like the bulletin board, basically borrowing a page from the usual suspects where you realize at the end when they show you that the, the Kevin Spacey character is taking a lot of the aspects of his story from things he's he's spotting around the room and on the bulletin board behind the behind uh Chad's commentary whatever um and in this one we see her looking at that bulletin board and when we snap back out of it later on with the, with the again we see the pancake and we do have a look at the bulletin board you know we see she, the, the bulletin board is still there and you realize oh all those little things played a part you know, everything from the chicken piccata to the making of the dolls, et cetera, et cetera. And, this, and I bet if I went back and looked at, the, you know, plots the screen, I'd probably be a few other details. Um, it's also interesting, uh, uh, like, so I will refer to that one note I wrote, which I mentioned it being the most emotional sequence that I can recall in Fargo history. However, and, and it is, I will say, because, you know, I was just having a conversation the other day with the folks about, uh, tearing up or even crying during a scene that you're watching, whatever. And, um, and I said, Oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I think we were talking about the Barbie movie and I was like, Oh, nothing really affected me to that degree. And, that, and even though I wouldn't say I wouldn't, but it didn't affect me that way. But this scene did, I was, uh, I will say I was kind of, uh, I was a bit on the emotional side, but the point I wanted to make was it's interesting I said it's the most. Emo I said, could this be the most emotional sequence in Fargo history? And the other one that comes to mind, it's and I brought it up earlier this season. Oddly enough, this was played out with puppets. The last most emotional scene in Fargo was the animated se sequence from season three in the episode. This is why I was typing and looking it up. the The episode, the Law of Non Contradiction. By the way, I, I believe John Hamm was narrating in that episode. Um, and that's the one with the story within a story of the, the, the planet. Uh, it's, it's spelled W-Y-H, so we're going to 
I'm still going to say it's Y because they used the last word, which presented the story of Unit Minsky, um, you know, ba- basically, you know, being left alone for his, ent- for its entire existence, whatever. And it just, it's just really sad. And now you see in that. So I just think it's interesting because a lot of Fargo is, it's, it's very, it's a very, very dark comedy and can be violent can be witty it's funny but it's not but it doesn't usually get too emotional it might have moments certainly how there are moments especially with specific characters in each season you know but that was an entire sequence where it's just like oh this is so sad and this again this is so horrible and and sad whatever and all the little exquisite touches you know the the, the puppet the exquisite use of the puppets and how the, the, like you pointed out when gator l- lays his head on her lap you know that's really something to say you know or ju- or being able just to manipulate just to put you know the hand on the leg under the table and the camera close doing a close up of that it, it's yeah, it's going to be, I think you may be right. I mean, it came out kind of late in the season, but when critics put together those kind of lists, as far as like top episodes, um, oftentimes they will have already seen these episodes well enough in advance so they could have included if they wanted. Uh, the only fear is if you, but a lot of times they will have already released those lists and do they want to release a list before the episode is even aired? So that right. that becomes a trickier thing. Now we're not going to have that problem because when we do all our best of stuff, it's going to we we always wait until it's the, the year is completely over. <laughs> the right, otherwise known as the right way. Yeah, exactly. Damn straight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I I, I do want to add. I I think um, I think probably the the contextualization of Dot was really important because at the end of last episode, we saw the extent of her injuries and early in this season, you know, we talked about how likable is this protagonist or, or, you know, like, mm. you know, she's kind of stringing Wayne on and not telling the truth. How likable is she? And from the end of the previous episode through this, where she gets contextualized big time, it it even gives context to Gator that will deepen what we think about the characters and think about Roy in a way that this show has touches of that, that humanize people or do things here and that. But this completely, I think, resets Dot um, in a staggering way that... Um, just the, the you know the hour and twenty minutes uh, last hour and twenty minutes of this show that I don't know there's a protagonist we want to see succeed on Fargo like we want her to get out of this scot free for her family to be okay and and Tillman to get it right because uh, as we've mentioned before I think on Fargo. With maybe the first season might be the exception to the rule to a certain degree, um, which is what makes it so fascinating. I was just talking about it earlier today, coincidentally, um, is you have, you generally have your, you have your 
main story protagonist, which is the the person who's caught up in something and trying to deal with a problem. Um, Dot is that person here, you know, and and usually every season there's something. If there's someone like that, there's also something wrong with them at the same time. And it's just now the first season, the main character becomes as ba- almost as bad as the the villain of the piece to a degree where wait they're kind of both villains now <laughs> you know um season two i guess it's the it's the couple and you feel more for the husband than the wife because the you know because the wife is innocent but is she <laughs> you know especially right. the more it goes along whatever season three it's the two i mean initially it's the two brothers and you know and we realize oh it's the it's actually it's the rich brother not the 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 not so well off brother especially because they kill him off pretty early on if I'm not mistaken, um, but rich brother's got his issues of yeah. <laughs> and corrupt he's a corrupt character and so on so like every scene there's something off and I think what we were perceiving with her which was the lying and whatever because we we were introduced to all those aspects before really getting the contextualization you were referring to. And now that we see the the, the, the the bigger picture, she's more understandable. While at the same time, I also want to make it clear, we're not saying it's a matter of, oh, we see her more as a victim now, no. so we feel more sorry for her. Because that, and there can be an instinct to do that. And I love that Holly was so smart by having that conversation in a previous episode, maybe it was the previous episode between Lorraine and Indira, where they that 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 is their conversation, and it's almost like telling the audience that it's like it's like no no no, don't see her as a victim. We're going to show you the horrors that have, that have befallen her by this man, and it's easy it's an, it's easy to slip into oh you feel bad for her because she's a victim. It's like no. You admire her because she's persevered and she's and she's been damn well heroic from that point on. And if she's lied and she has, it, the lies are of necessity. They're and right. the lies of survival. And because she's trying to preserve this comparatively idyllic life that she's been able to have for the last ten years. Um, so yeah, and, and, I, I agree. And and what and then we go to you know the final scene. And what's the food? I mean, where where did we start with this? You know, Bisquick pancakes. Yeah, it's always pancakes. And, and she's she's getting a pancake. Um, and then she almost gets like, and then she almost gets pancake. She almost gets <laughs> pancake. But but it it you know the 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 smiley face pancake is the come to moment, which you know is the tie. I think to breaking the cycle and and thinking about, you know, that's the food she feeds her family mm-hmm. and probably in that moment is a connection to her and Scotty and wanting to get back to Scotty and wanting to get home to her life. Like that's the anchor to her prior life almost that that pulls her back is the pancake. Right. Because that's where we start with her family. It, it's, it's funny that they try that. I think I feel like they kind of <coughs> excuse me. They try to throw us off a little bit by when when we come back to her and the pancake, and we see her look out the window. And she's looking across the parking lot at the um, at the Kia. 
Now, the implication from what she says in the hospital later that, you know, oh, that she was looking at the Kia because for Linda would still be in the car, which actually doesn't make any sense. That, okay, I'm going to go in and eat, and you can wait in the car. Plus, if you – and I did pause it. You can't see anyone's in the car. So there's no one – she's just looking at the car. Uh, give it up for the show because I don't I don't think anyone saw that truck accident happen. That kind of came out of nowhere. Oh yeah, I mean, be- I mean beautifully done. The, the the bumper car style of it, you know, it's really nice. Yeah, and k- kudos to whoever the stunt person was that you know went flying through the air. And once she ends up in the hospital bed, you knew what, what we we if 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 there's it's. Everyone watching knew what was about to happen, unfortunately. And it's interesting, we went from a totally unexpected thing out of nowhere to, oh no, there's only one per. It's going to be him. It has to be him. I mean, the minute she's the husband, like, well, it's not going to be Wayne. Of course it's not going to be Wayne. He comes in. I think, are the last words of the episode, I got you? Yep. Yeah, I got you. Yep. Then. Cut to credits, whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a powerful episode. Um, I love it. I love any episode that leaves you thinking, and you know, and it wasn't just wait did that actually just happen, but also just the way they they went about that entire all the camp utopia stuff was was fascinating. Um, really tackling a, a major issue this season which is not which is not a far a typical fargo kind of thing um and doing it exceedingly well so far from what i from what i can see uh we did get a an ad for the next episode so finally <laughs> finally your man wit's going to show up you know so much like this podcast we've been witless for <laughs> for weeks now so we always welcome a little wit. Yeah, go always use a little bit. Um, and, and let me let me break in with an update just for our listeners who are familiar with Jamie. Jamie just texted me, Fargo, my God, shivers. Incredibly brilliant and uncomfortable way to describe childhood trauma. You know, if Jamie was like a really good podcaster, she would like contact me to say, hey, can I come on the podcast? Cause you know, I'm one of you guys. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not Jamie? But you know what? She's lazy. <laughs> well, she's just watching it now. I'm just so I'm just... I just got the update, but, I know, I just but want... it is funny that we've been sitting here podcasting about it. And she, she chimed in. I thought I, I'd share that with the listeners who, who know Jamie are familiar with Jamie, but, uh, nah, that's pretty funny. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, uh, in a season, that that we I, I mean after last season which we liked but didn't love i think it's fair to say i mean after this i, I mean you got to wonder what what awards would you submit this episode for like sound editing art direction, direction. you know like like there's so and 
the the acting by Juno Temple just to be the different voices in this was it was incredible. But you know, like after this to to do this, I you know you got to wonder where it's going to go from here. Well, we've got three more episodes to go for the season. Um, the next final three will air obviously in 2024. Um, doesn't mean we can't include this if in any eventual best of 2023 list. Um, which I actually, since I just mentioned it, maybe I'll mention that situation right now. In case anyone was wondering, I've brought it up a few times in the last couple of podcasts. Uh, we are going to be doing a best of 2023 podcast. Um, it'll probably be, it'll, it'll be done sometime after the next Fargo one because this is podcast number 398, which would make the next Fargo one 399. So therefore we can make 400 also the best of 2023 podcast. So we'll be. Parting it up with guests galore. No, we're not going to have any guests. Uh, <laughs> I'm not bothering. <laughs> no one cares. Uh, we used to do that. We had, we had that one. We had Jay, Jack, and Colleen on, and, and like no one even, no one even knew they were on. <laughs> you figure, you figure if everyone on that stupid page just listened, we know we we would have got like, like a billion fucking listens. But no. Anyway, um, but yeah, we are going to start. We're, we're making, we're just like Santa did, you know, last week. We're making our list. We're checking them twice. We're going to have a massive list based on the best ep- uh, shows of the season, probably the best episodes of the season uh, of, the, of uh, 2023. Um, maybe one or two other things. I haven't uh, figured it all out yet. I have to have a conversation with the fellow on the other side of the, of, of the mic over there, as well as Jamie. I believe it'll be the three of us doing it. And, um, Hopefully that will be re- done and released, I would say, sometime within the first week and change of January. Our main thing is just agreeing on when we all have time to do it. And we have to make sure, me and Brian have to make sure we get number 399 done first. And then we can work out when we do number 400. But back to Fargo. Um, yeah. The, right now. You know, knock knock on wood once again. How many times have I done that in this podcast? You know, I feel like I'm, you know, at a Nazi meeting or something. No, I um, think you've just been, I think you've just been subconsciously affected by puppets. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm a master of puppets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to, like, you know, the puppet master to my master. Nah, forget it. <laughs> With what I did. Um, Wow, you derail well. What the fuck? I don't remember what I was about to say now. Kind of forgot. Now you're gonna, now you have to pick up the slack because I don't remember where where I was going with that, Brian. Come up, come well, up with something. Uh, I think when we think of where we're going with this show, oh, I remember. Now. Um, you know, with three episodes left, there are a number of things we want to see. I think, I think, I, I mean, we've turned on Lorraine. I think I want to see. I have I have a more positive feeling. I want to see where what role she plays in all this. Yeah. I want to see Wit I, to hell with everybody else. I want to know what Wit does, and hopefully we'll see that next week. Um, you know, and and we've got the the big bad versus Dorothy Gator and Munch. How's that all going to play out? Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of interesting 
strings to tie. We've got a militia out there that may or may not get involved. Um, so we have the FBI agents who, you know, are on the case. So there are still a lot of chess pieces on the board. I mean, for a season of Fargo, there have been surprisingly few deaths among the main cast. Right, 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 right. Well, what, what, what I was going before, and rather, rather simplistic comment, but I'm going to make it anyway. Um, right now, I mean, if if they can pull off the final three to be at or or even higher level of what we've seen already. Um, number one, I feel this is more the show is now returned to its roots of what it really was before. Um, and I might say, I, I, I mean, now look, I don't think I'm going to, I'll say by the end of the season, I don't, I still don't think I'm going to like it better than the first two seasons. Cause I just, I love the first two seasons so much, but it may very well be better than all the ones that came after it. I might pop it over, well, you know, three and four. This might be the next one in line and we'll see. I mean, I, I I just I don't anticipate that I'll like it more than the first two, but um, I might be biased because I just I I do I have a deep affection for those. I mean, they were like my picks for like best show. I think they might have been my picks for the best the best series of the of the year, or 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 number one or two in that top three of the year. Both uh, times those aired. Anyway, well, we have high hopes, and and I and and it is. We, we've had two OMG moments. We had the Sin Eater uh, digression with, you know, with Munch or Faux Munch. And now we've had the puppet scene. And usually we get, you know, one OMG diversion moment. We've had two and we're only seven episodes in. So right. high expectations. Yeah. I will say I really like the puppet one. I'm. I was more I was more iffy on the Sin Eater one. I'll just leave it at that. I will say a friend of mine just started watching this season today and she has not seen Fargo before. And she said she said, I'm up to see, I'm up to episode three, you know, and WTF, whatever. I was like, Episode three of, of season one? Or it's like, no, I'm watching the current season. It's like, why didn't you I told you to uh, all right, fine. Uh, what 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 what's the what what's the what the fuck moment? It's like the guy smearing goat's blood. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you about that. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a Nordic thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and then got on the phone. I was like, okay, it doesn't matter that you didn't watch the earlier seasons. It's fine because they're not, generally speaking, they're not really connected at, uh, or, or they're tenuously connected, but nothing that you need to have seen them first. But I'm telling you, when you finish it, go back and watch seasons one and two. You don't have to watch three and four if you don't want to, but but one and two, you got to watch those. Anyway, alrighty then. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll enjoy hanging out on our Facebook page as well. Look it up. It's serious TV drama podcast page. Like the page, join the conversation about shows like Fargo and so many others. We are available on pretty much most podcast platforms, but if you go to podbean.com, 
and you type in, you know, Serious TV Drama Podcast, or I think STVD Podcast probably works as well, you can access all 398 of our podcasts there. I think it's the only place you can do that. Most other places, eh, 50 or 100, whatever. Um, if you happen to use Apple, feel free to rate and review us there. If you don't, uh, we're, we're fine. Uh, <laughs> You can also find us on Instagram, Serious TV Drama, as one word. And you can follow us on X Twitter, because I don't know what else to call it. And what's our handle there? At STVD Podcast. STVD as in Serious TV Drama. As I just said a few moments ago, Brian and I will be back next week to cover the eighth episode of Fargo. Hey, I don't know. Maybe if Jamie wants to get up off her ass, she can join us. And I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jamie, Jamie's busier than both of us put together. You know, she's doing like 18 different reality show podcasts and raising a family. And now she's got time because there aren't, oh, there's a break in the reality show schedule. I know. Hurry before Big Brother 89,542 <laughs> starts. <laughs> oh, no. Dude, Australian Survivor's coming back next season. So. <laughs> We can't wait to wait. It's five thirty in the morning on Sunday. I can think I can access it now. <laughs> but like I said, we will be back next week to cover the next episode of Fargo, and at some point, probably days after that, you can be looking forward to podcast number four hundred. So that's it for tonight, uh, Brian. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Um, once again, you brought the goods as you always do. Well, thank you, Scott, and uh, cheers to our health, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Mm -hmm.